1: You for all that you do for us, Father.
2: Morning, church. All right. I forgot to get a joke for you guys, so... Uh, well, I'm excited to be up here today. Um, I didn't forget that it's Independence Day soon, so I did wear my most patriotic shirt today. Um, so, uh, do you ever get overwhelmed by how good God is? Um, just His goodness, His grace... His provision, the hope that we have in him. Um, I uh, came across a video, um, just kind of a really short reel on social media. And um, it was from a podcast. And this lady asked the host, she said, um, what is the true gospel message? And she said, if you had the opportunity to preach the gospel message to the people that were going to be in the towers before 9-11, the day before 9-11, what would you tell them? And it, like, sent, I mean, it gives me goosebumps just saying it. And she said, would you tell them that they would have peace, joy, and purpose? And she said, that's not the gospel message, like, that they would need to hear that day. And um, and I thought that was interesting. Um, And... Like we all come to the communion table for one purpose—that we have no hope besides Jesus, um, for what because of what He's done on the cross, that we're dead in our sins, without, like God sending His Son to die on the cross because of His blood, we have hope, and we—it brought to mind this, this. Verse in 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I had to break those three short verses down. It says, Rejoice always, our circumstances don't control us, our joy is from the Lord. Pray without ceasing relationship over religion all right so we did we should always have time set aside for prayer but we have this wonderful opportunity because of jesus to just look around and see the goodness of the lord i was i'm the one messing up on slides up there um, while you're singing but i i was just kind of in awe uh, during um coffee like the coffee break how everyone kind of gets out of their seats if you don't Get out of your seats to go say hi or meet new people. I encourage you to do that because that's what I love about our church. I told Ronnie, like, our church is so cool because people get up and they walk across and they say hi to each other and, like, we're always late getting back to start worship. And I love it. Um, and, and that's what it's about. Um, so pray without ceasing. Like, be, th- like, always find time to talk. To God and just say, "Wow, and so if we rejoice always, pray without ceasing the the baby that comes from that is gratitude, giving thanks, um, gain a consciousness of what the Lord has done for you and continues to do every day and I think when we come back to that, um, we live in such a time as this that we need to have this urgency to to bring people gospel message we have this opportunity to see the people around us that we know and love and can say hey i've got something because the world is failing a lot of people they're finding hope in things that are going to like fail them every day and so we have this opportunity to give them this gospel message that they are dead in their sins but there's a god who is alive and well and he's amazing and he has this amazing hope for them and so I just want to leave you with that he is the way the truth and the life and we are free indeed alright would you pray with me Heavenly Father I thank you so much for how good you are there is goodness all around and I am blown away by how good you are I pray that we rejoice always that we would pray without ceasing that we would open up an open line of communication with you throughout the day lord that we would see your goodness always and that we would be grateful for how good you are we love you we praise you we worship you today in jesus name amen
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, We were at uh, the Jade Cenote in Cozumel. Uh, It was Marie's birthday, and so if you know anything about Marie, she wanted to jump off of the cliff into this cenote. For her birthday, there's only one problem. Actually, there were two problems. There were 20-foot cliffs, and there were crocs. I'm not talking the shoes. Those are not a problem, right? I'm talking crocodiles. Now, now, Marie heard one thing. Actually, let me strike that. I heard one thing. Crocs are on either side of the island. That's what I heard. Marie heard crocs are on either side of the cenote. Like semantics, right? It doesn't really matter. I mean, whatever. But if she's going to jump, then I'm going first, right? I've got to test the waters. I've got to make sure if everything's okay, if there are indeed crocodiles anywhere, at least they'll have a tasty lunch before she hops in, right? This is my this is my thought process. And so our guide gives me some last-minute tips. He says, jump out from the rocks, right? Don't dive. There's things underneath the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Whatever, right? And I jump. I jump out far from the rocks. And Marie tells me later, the guide looks at her and says, not over there. <laughs> like, don't no, whatever you just jump, don't jump over there, right? Jump over here. Now, I'm sharing this story with you, and I'm completely fine. So obviously, everything was okay. But we don't know what's lurking beneath the waves. Fear, if you're like me, can stop us. Dead in our tracks. There's too many variables. There's too many problems. If, if you watch that, that, that open, you've seen it for a few times, right? We're, we're presented with overwhelming information. And there's, there's always something new pressing, knocking at the door. And what happens if we fail? What happens if we fall? What, what happens if we, we fall into trouble and help Doesn't come today. We're going to talk about a story. I'm sure everybody in here is familiar with it's not your story, but it could be I've checked the water sort of (laughs) as well as I do. But will you jump with me? Will you put yourself inside this story today? Is a question to start out the day, and I hope that you will think about this question for many days to come. When you jump, when you get out on the waves, what is your best hope? Uh, Welcome online, on the radio, those tuning on Facebook. Thank you so much for being here in the building. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 14. And actually, I jumped a slide, DA, so sorry about that. God isn't asking you to figure it out. He's not. He's asking you to trust that he already has, right? And so we can say trust more or, or have more faith. And it's really easy to say those things when things are good, right? But it's really difficult to put those things into practice, right? If you're going through a storm, telling somebody to just trust more is, is sort of empty. But I hope by the end of this, you're, you're not trusting in your circumstances like D.A. said. You're trusting in Jesus who calms the storm. So now, we're going to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. We're continuing our point of impact sermon series, and we're taking a look at Peter walking on the water. I'm reading in the ESV page, uh, I almost said measure 22. Goodness gracious. Verse 22. Jesus walking on the water is is, uh, recorded in Matthew, Luke, and John. Peter walking on the water is only recorded in the book of Matthew. I, I found that interesting. Same story, though. So here's an overview of the chapter. So Jesus learns of the beheading of John the Baptist Somebody very dear to him. He needs a minute, right, to compose himself. So he sets out in a boat and leaves to a remote location. But the people followed. And he had compassion on the crowd. This is where we see the feeding of the 5,000. After that, he sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. And he stayed behind to disperse the crowd, to send them on their way. And then Jesus went up on the mountain. And he was there for some time because it said Jesus was there and night fell. We see the story shifting. And we see the disciples out on the waves. They're fighting heavy, heavy waves battered by the storm. How long have you been out on the waves? How long have you been in your storm? Have you been in your storm so long that you're not sure if there is any way out? You're rowing. You're trying as hard as you can to get to land. But there's no end in sight. This is what the disciples were experiencing in the Sea of Galilee. There were easterly winds. They were coming off the mountain. They were creating these violent storms. Webb actually shared with me in first service today. He said the boat rocking this way was never really a problem. I mean, you could get a little seasick. But when it started to do this, that's when things got really crazy. Sea of Galilee is not very long. They were probably two to three miles into the Sea of Galilee. But here's the thing. Violent storms occurred in the middle of that. And that's where they were. Waves almost ten feet high. So here they are, the disciples. They're rowing frantically. Their, Their boat was a considerable distance from land. And they couldn't turn back. They were too far but they were nowhere near their destination. They're kind of stuck in the middle. They're rowing, they're rowing, they're rowing, but they're not getting anywhere. Do you feel like that today? You're rowing, you're rowing, but you're not moving. The Greek reads, fourth watch, and maybe your translation says 3 a.m. I read one commentary that said, the disciples could possibly have been rowing for nine hours, battling the storm for nine hours. What is your best hope for today? Maybe your best hope is this. Maybe it's how do, how do things turn out? Are they, are they going to turn out okay? Maybe you're just hoping that the circumstances kind of resolve themselves. Maybe you hope that whatever current situation is happening will just end itself. Resolve in some way. What is your best hope for today? If you thought about today, what's your best hope for difficult relationships that you may have? What's your best hope for your your marriage? What's your best hope for your kids? Are you looking forward to seeing them get married? What is your best hope today? For your future, for college. For the rest of your life. Maybe you've been so long in the storm that you have no hope. Maybe you don't see any way out of your situation. Maybe you don't see any way for this to be resolved. So you're rowing and rowing. And the waves get higher and they crash against the boat. Life is full of events we never saw coming. And maybe your best hope is just to make it to the other side, right? I just want to make it to the other side. Somewhat intact. Maybe a little beat and beaten and bruised, but just get me over there. Maybe just pray that the storm stops altogether. I mean, Jesus just fed the 5,000, right? I mean, he could do anything. But he's not here right now. He was in the boat the last time, Matthew 8. Whenever whenever they were in the middle of the storm, Jesus was asleep, and the disciples woke him up and said, we're about to die. And he wakes up sort of, and he's like, okay, you know, stop. Still calm. But Jesus isn't here right now. Friends, sometimes we don't recognize Jesus as, we, as he approaches in the storm. And I, and I hope that there is hope for you in that statement today. Sometimes we don't realize that Jesus is heading towards us. We see something totally different. The disciples say, there's a ghost on the water, a phantasm, right? This is the only rational explanation. There is no way that there is a man walking toward us On the waves. That is not physically possible. Now, think about this. The disciples just saw him feed the 5,000, but it still didn't connect. We can see the miracles of Jesus in our lives, and it still doesn't connect. We miss Jesus in the storm. And he says, take heart. He says, take courage. Do not be afraid. And the thing about anxiety is, you know what's supposed to happen, but it's not happening, right? You know what you're supposed to say, but you can't say it. You know what you're supposed to do, and you can't do it, so you're just frozen and you start shaking. And Jesus is saying, when he says, take courage, slow down. Your mind is racing, just breathe. The next thing he says is, it is I. I love this. This is literally I am. The same thing God spoke to Moses in the wilderness in the book of Exodus over and over and over again. I am. He doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need any more introduction. I am is on the water. If we were honest, everyone is going through something I could ask if somebody's going through a storm right now and see a show of hands. I've been willing to bet if you're not going through something, you could probably put your hand on somebody that is. And maybe you haven't experienced a storm yet. What I would say to you is keep on living, the storms are coming. How do we weather? The storm. Everybody is going through something. And oftentimes, you wouldn't even know the storm that is raging in their heart until you sat down with them and you, you talked to them. You asked them a question and you sat there and you waited for the answer. DA is exactly right. When people go back and forth across the rows and they shake hands and they stop and they stay, how are you doing? And they listen. And they understand. Because there are people in this room right now that have come so far, but they're nowhere near their destination. And that's disheartening. And the waves get higher and higher. You want to believe that Jesus meets you right where you are. You want to believe that. You want to believe that Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. There's good news today. We will never find ourselves anywhere. The Lord can't find us. We can't outrun His love or His grace, His pursuit. He's continually searching, looking for us, praying that we will come back. That prodigal father standing at the window every single day until his son comes back into sight, and then he just runs. He doesn't care what he looks like. He is running to his son. He's got to make it to his son. He's got to let everybody know that he accepts, that he loves, that he takes back. Why did Jesus walk on the water? I I love this. Every gospel um, writer has an audience in mind when they write. So uh, in the book of Mark, Mark is is writing to the Romans. The Romans didn't know much about Scripture, but they knew everything about power, right? And so Mark talks about the immediacy right, of, of Mark and the power of Jesus Christ, the sheer power of him. And Luke is a Greek writing to Greeks, right? Inquiring minds want to know. And if you know what that means, then you're old like me. I'm sorry. So, But he's got interviews and songs and details, and he packs all of these things in because they want to get information. I love this. John wants to write to everyone because everyone needs to meet God, and only Jesus can reveal him. So he says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get there unless you come through him. Matthew writes to the Jews. They love scripture, the prophecies of the coming Messiah. They were always on the horizon looking for the Messiah. Who would this be? And Matthew goes to Great Lakes to say, It's Jesus Christ. This is who you've been searching for. The mountains, the high places to the Jews, if you read in the Old Testament, were the only place that God would be, right? If you wanted to meet God, you were going to have to go up on a mountain. You were going to have to spend some time with him there. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? The psalmist is talking about the mountains, Right? And we see Moses walking up the mountain to meet with the Lord. God is found on the mountain over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. That's where he is. The water, the sea, that's a place of chaos and evil and terror. They were a desert people. They didn't like water. They didn't get much of it. They didn't see it. So the only good thing that could come from water is evil. There was no good thing. There was terror. There was chaos. Only that could be found on the waves and nothing more. But here in the book of Matthew, as he makes his case, we see Jesus up on the mountain coming down onto the waves. Where once there was evil and destruction and terror. And now Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is walking on the water. We will never find ourselves anywhere. The Lord can't find us. You are never too far from His love. Let me say that again. You are never too far from His love. He is calling you back to Him. The lessons of faith don't necessarily wait for you to become a strong Christian, right? Uh, they don't wait for you to have a really strong prayer life or to start that Bible reading plan or to meditate and listen to K Love 24 hours a day, right? The lessons of life are not going to wait for you to do that. They're not going to wait for you to build your faith before they knock your legs out from under you. Life doesn't wait for you to be ready to handle what comes next. And again, if that's not your situation today, keep on living. Life's not going to wait for you. The waves are going to come. The storms are going to come suddenly. The call's going to come. The texts are going to come. The news is going to come. And if all we did was put our hope in our current circumstances, then that is empty and fleeting. In our Jesus Never Said That series, um, we touched on this. God won't give you more than you can handle. Nah, that's not true at all, right? Of course, he's going to give you more than he can handle. And here's why, right? If we could handle everything that God gave us, then why in the world would we need a savior why would we need Jesus if we could handle it on our own? If you're struggling for control, just let go of it. Turns out you can't control much at all. These, Peter's first words in the book of Matthew, I love this, is, Lord, if it is you. His first words in the book of Matthew. Like one of the major disciples, and that's the first thing he says. Lord, if it's you. I feel that. Lord, are you listening? Lord, I, keep, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm a broken record right now. I'm praying the same prayer over and over again, and I don't see any re- resolution. I don't see any way for this to turn out right, and I keep on praying, and I can't hear you, and I'm not really sure if you're listening. Lord, if it is you, But take notice of what comes next, right? You're going to have doubts. If you don't have doubts with your faith, then you're not chasing after God, I think, because you're trying to put all of this stuff together, and in the end, you trust Him, right? And so your doubts should lead Him, should lead you closer to Him and not further away. So, with the doubts in your head right now, of no end in sight to your storm. You trust in the Lord because it comes with a choice. Lord, if it is you, don't miss this. Command me to come out on the water. Now, Peter did not think this through, obviously, right? I mean, it's a great thought, but seriously, water, that's, I mean, you're not going to do that. Waves are 10 feet high, you're not swimming. I don't know what he was thinking, really. I love this John Ortberg uh, quote. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. This is an AI uh, picture. Um, and even this doesn't do justice, right? The waves would be much, much higher, climbing over the top of Jesus. And this is what Peter is saying in the midst of that. And Jesus says, Come. And it's the same word he speaks to our hearts when he said, come to me, all you are, are, are heavy laden and weary, and I will bring you rest. It's the same word that he says when he says, come, follow me, and I'll make you disciples, fishers of men. We sang saying that earlier, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. And we have fear of the future. I spoke about anxiety, right? This impending doom. You know what you should be thinking, but you can't manage to think that. It's not rational. It doesn't make any sense. But the storm didn't stop. The storm continued. And Peter said, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. And then before you know it, Peter takes a step out of the boat, out of the safety of the situation that he was in, to get closer to Jesus. Sometimes faith means simply saying yes. Simply being obedient. I mean, there might, be, there might not be much safety in your boat, but at least it's safer than the water. Trusting, surrendering, even when you can't see. But saving faith grows into living faith. When Jesus Christ is all that you have, you realize that he's all you need. Peter walks on the water. He saw the wind, right? So the waves are crashing over and he begins to sink at this point. He cries out, Lord, save me. And the waves are crashing over him, right? Have you ever been in a large body of water? I'm not a very good swimmer, right? And so if you're floating for a little bit and everything's great, and then all of a sudden your, your muscles tense up a little bit and then freak out, right? And then you start like flailing and you can't touch the bottom and you don't, know well, what's good. You're like doing the doggy paddle thing, right? I don't do that, but some of you might. <laughs> and immediately Jesus stretches out his hand and he saves him. He says, why did you doubt? I wonder how far Peter made it out on the water. Scripture says he came to Jesus, that Jesus didn't come to him. Did the disciples see Peter begin to sink, or were the waves obstructing their view? Jesus spoke, but most likely it was only loud enough for Peter to hear. The waves were crashing, a storm was raging. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You're going to have to get out of the boat to hear the words of Jesus. And I used to think, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt was a reprimand? But I think now it's clarity. Because saving faith grows into living faith. And once Peter walked on water, and began to sink, and he realized Jesus was right there. He remembered that for the rest of his life. Whatever came next, it didn't matter, because Jesus was no longer on the mountain. He was in the storm. Max Lucado has a beautiful Um, Words And he uh, penned an entry, a diary entry for Peter. Uh, I I think actually guys write in journals, right? So it's a journal entry. uh, and, And so thinking this is Peter writing the next day, I'd never seen Jesus as I saw him then. I'd seen him as powerful. I'd seen him as wise. I'd witnessed his authority and marveled at his abilities. But what I witnessed last night, I know I'll never forget. I saw God. The God who can't sit still when the storm is too strong. The God who lets me get frightened enough to need him and then comes close enough for me to see him. The God who uses my storms, my storms, your storms, as his path to come to me. I saw God. It took a storm for me to see him, but I saw him, and I'll never be the same. There were three miracles that day. Jesus walks on water, Peter walks on water, and then the storm stops. The storm doesn't stop until Jesus steps into the boat. And here the disciples proclaim his deity. Here, Matthew is making a fine point of this is your Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He reaches them in their struggle. And if you need to hear that today, I know I do. He didn't save them from their storms. Storms are coming. Be positive, Franklin. Okay, I'm positive. Storms are coming. He didn't save them from their storms. He saved them. In their storms, because they began to understand that He is there. I want to finish with this today. What God promises on the shore, He promises in the storm. When everything's going well, you hold on to those promises of God. This is what He told me. You're right, I can see it. I can see it in my life. I'm so thankful for it. But the same thing He promises on the shore, He promises in the storm. The same thing He promises in the sunshine, He promises in the shade. The same thing He promises in the light, He promises in the darkness. Don't forget His promises in your storm. I will never leave you or forsake you. You are a child of the Most High. I love you more than anything. You are chosen. You are built to make a difference. You are equipped. I have given you a story to share with others, to present the gospel. Yes, even you. You think you're not ready for it. 1 Peter one three. as the team comes up, uh, something Laurel read earlier. This is Peter writing some 30 years later. He's probably in his 60s. And he talks about the living hope of Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead. The living hope. What, what is your best hope for today? What's your best hope? Is it that you'll get through your current circumstances? Is it that things are going to be okay? is that things are going to be easy or better. If your best hope is tied to your current situation, it's not going to be enough because the storms are coming. What is your best hope? Jesus Christ, because He is our living hope. That is our point of impact out on the storms. We see a Savior, and He's been there the entire time. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in portales New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website
1: at centralwired.org.